0: This is the Woodland Hills Family Church podcast. Our desire is to inspire you and your family to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Now, enjoy today's message with Travis Bronner. So, today we're talking about breathing, right? Something that just naturally happens. You don't have to think about it and is necessary for life. You have to breathe to live. And there are a few basic things that you have to have to live in the short term, in the relatively short term. Uh, For instance, one of them is eating. You have to eat to live. And if you haven't eaten in a while, you start to feel it, and that hunger takes over. But the fact is, you can actually survive up to a few weeks without eating. A few weeks. It would be an uncomfortable few weeks, especially after a couple of days. But you can physically survive as long as you're drinking some water. And, and you can survive, though, for a few days without water. So you, you can survive a few weeks without food and then a few days without water. But then, of utmost importance, is that you're breathing, right? Because you can only survive a few minutes without air. That's how acutely important air is. And we know that. If you hold your breath, suddenly you feel like, I need to take a breath. And isn't that neat how it breaks down the needs that we have in the short term? We can survive a few weeks without food, a few days without water, just a few minutes without air. And I showed this to my family last week. And I said, isn't that cool how it breaks down? Weeks, days, minutes. And they're like, yeah, that that is pretty neat. But uh, if we're being honest, you need to add for yourself a fourth line in there. And so I uh, admitted that I can only last a few hours without sweets. (laughs) It is a basic need. And it fills in neatly the weeks, days, hours, minutes. So... Anyone else out there with a really strong, sweet tooth? Yes. Right? We believe that you can have a meal without dessert that's called breakfast. Um, And for that, we prefer pancakes with maple syrup, which is nothing like dessert. It's totally different. But these are our basic needs. We have to breathe to live. We can only survive a few minutes. It's of utmost importance. And we know that breathing comes from God because God created everything that exists, right? When he created the universe, he created us, he created the air that we breathe, and he created the breathing that takes place. But I want to look for a minute about how specifically that took place. If you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. It'll also be up on the screen or your Bible app if you wish. It says, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And then the man became a living creature. So when you put this in the context of creation, it's pretty neat because it says then he became a living creature. God created everything, the sun, the moon, the stars, the oceans, the ground, the plants, the other animals, and insects, and everything else. And then he created mankind, and then he had one more thing to do in creation. And other than the formation of woman from man's rib, this was the last act of his creation. After that, he rested. He breathed life into the nostrils of man, making him a living creature. Isn't that pretty neat that his last act of creation is the very thing we can only go a few minutes without breathing? So we understand that God gave us physical breath, but it's important to understand that there is physical breath and there's our, there is also spiritual breath God gave us physical breath when he breathed life into the nostrils of man that we still have today, but he also breathes out spiritual breath, and both are important to understand, and both are necessary. And I want to talk about this spiritual breath for a little bit, and we're going to do that by looking at a few passages in scripture. First is 2 Timothy 3.16. says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. What does that mean, that Scripture is God-breathed? How does that work? How does God breathe out Scripture? How do words come from breathing? Well, let's talk a little bit about voice. We're going to talk about voice here in a little while also, but I want to explain something to you that helps you to kind of understand what this means, that words are breathed out. And we'll do that by talking about voice. You see, your voice comes from taking a breath into your lungs through opened vocal cords. And then you close your vocal cords together and you force air through those closed vocal cords, and that's what makes the sound. Then you tighten and you loosen the vocal cords to change the pitch of your voice. And, and, and we can communicate different things by different pitch. That's your inflection in your voice. See? See? Also, you can change the volume of your voice by changing the force with which you push air through those vocal cords, those closed vocal cords. And that whole process is called vocalization, the making of the sound in your throat. Then there's another part of voice which is called phonation. That's the forming of words with your lips and your tongue. And you put that all together and you get something like, how are you today? And those words have meaning. Right? That is what voice is. The thing to, to, to understand about that, very important, is that your breath is the engine that powers your voice. You can still whisper without your vocal cords. Right? Sounds like it's not a voice. That's just simply making words with your lips and your mouth without closing your vocal cords. Still requires breath. Words require breath. Your breath is the engine that powers your voice. So that helps us understand a little bit about how God breathed air, breathed life into the nostrils of man. And he also speaks out his word. All scripture is God breathed. Matthew 4.4 4 comes from the passage where Satan was tempting Christ in the wilderness after he had been baptized and he's about to start his earthly ministry. Um, and he had been fasting for 40 days and for 40 nights And uh, that's a long time. By then, I'm thinking pancakes and syrup, right? Um, Getting pretty hungry. And Satan says, if you're the son of God, turn these rocks into bread so that you can eat. And Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. His word. You see, they're one and the same, his breath and his words. And then Job 32.8 says, But it is the spirit in a person, the breath of the Almighty, that gives them understanding. Look at that word, understanding. It's not just the knowledge of scripture, but wisdom and understanding that come from the spiritual breath that God offers through his word. So he gives us physical breath with which to breathe, air to breathe, and he also gives us spiritual breath. And I first want to talk a little bit about physical breath, okay? And, and particularly in physical breath, the role of the heart, like the, literally the blood-pumping muscle inside of your chest, the heart, as it pertains to physical breathing. See, what happens is you breathe in air, and your lungs take the oxygen and put it into your bloodstream, inside the lungs. And your heart pumps the blood, then, that has oxygen in it to the tissues in your body. And at the tissues in your body, a process called aerobic metabolism takes place, which converts uh, that oxygen, uses a process to make that oxygen into usable energy in the tissues for living. There's a byproduct of that process called carbon dioxide that the tissues then put back into the blood that gets pumped by the heart back to the lungs and in the blood into the air of the lungs and expelled. Now, there are two, two interesting things here uh, to understand. One is there's a distinction between the right side of the heart and the left side of the heart. You have four chambers within the heart, two on the right and two on the left. And the ones on the right are responsible for taking in the blood from the tissues of the body and pumping that blood. All of the blood in your body goes through the tissues of the lung for this process. The left side of your heart is responsible for receiving that blood from the lungs and pumping it to the rest of the tissues and the body. And then it repeats itself just constantly. The other thing is, because all of the blood filters through the lungs, the lungs become a place where you can expel waste. Carbon dioxide is a waste product of the metabolic process. There are a lot of metabolic processes which can expel their waste through the lungs. There are different ways that you expel waste. Some of them are obvious. When you go potty, right? Uh, When you sweat. But also very important is the expelling of waste through your lungs when you breathe out. That's the process of physical breathing and the importance of the heart in that process. And you notice that the heart is central to that because without it, none of this can take place. If the heart stops pumping, it can't circulate things to occur as they need to to sustain life. Now let's talk about spiritual breath. And particularly spiritual breath as it pertains to the heart. But now we're not talking about this blood-pumping muscle inside of your chest. We read that there is a heart... Besides that muscle, and we read that uh, we should love the Lord our God with all of our heart; that we should guard our heart, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Well, what does all that mean? Because if it's not that blood-pumping muscle, what is it? Let's look at First Thessalonians five twenty-three to understand this. It says, "Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless." At the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you see, that's how we exist. You see the three parts there. Spirit, soul, and body. Now, let's look at an illustration to understand this, how we exist. And, and it, I, I've, I've put this up front here before. Maybe you've seen it. Maybe you haven't. But these are three concentric circles. And you see that they're all contained in one being. God created man in his image. Three in one. We are three in one. We have, according to First Thessalonians 5.23... Body, soul, and spirit. The orange here is the world outside of us. The body, it's obvious, it's our physical being. Inside of that, and inseparable until death, is our soul. And what's inside of our soul, that's things like our mind, our thoughts, our will, our desires, our emotions, which we can also call the heart. So there we have the spiritual heart. Inside of all that, we have this space called our spirit. And when I was growing up, I heard the phrase a lot that we have this God-shaped hole inside of us. Maybe some of you have heard that. And this is a depiction of that. There is a space which only God can contain. Only God can occupy that. And for those that have received Christ and the salvation through him, we receive the Holy Spirit who is contained within our being. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit of God within us. And that's how we exist. Three parts, one being. And the soul is central to it. Proverbs twenty-seven, nineteen says, as water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. And you see from that illustration, the heart is on the inside. And there are things that we can take in through our senses that will affect our heart. That's why scripture says, guard your heart, because everything you do flows from it. Your words and your actions come from inside, from your mind, your will, your emotions, your heart. And you see, in the same way that the physical heart is responsible for circulating the breath that you take in throughout your body, your spiritual heart will circulate the things that you take in to your soul, through your senses, the things you listen to, the things you believe. And it will reflect as water reflects the face, one's life reflects the heart. It will come out in your words and in your actions. I want to talk for a minute about... um, one particular physical breath. Uh, A physical breath that has a really big impact. And that is the first breath that a baby takes when he or she is born. Because when you think about the fact that uh, the baby in the womb is in a fluid environment, not an air-filled environment, it becomes reasonable to think that this gas exchange can't take place right there, right? And so that baby inside the womb is relying on gas exchange from the mother, in her lungs and in her heart pumping blood. The baby's heart is pumping, the lungs are moving because that heart needs to pump things through the baby's circulation system and the, heart, the lungs need to get ready because here before long, when baby's born, needs to move air his or herself, right? Okay. And while that's going on, it goes uh, from mom's blood into the placenta and the umbilical cord and, and into the baby and through the baby and back out to the umbilical cord, the placenta, and into the mother. And the mother is supporting that baby with her heart and her lungs as well. And so because of that, a baby's heart circulation is different from one who has been born. You see, a, a fetal heart circulation doesn't need all the blood to go through the lungs because there's not this gas exchange taking place. So there are two structures called the foramen valley and the ductus arteriosus, which allow what's called shunting of blood from the right heart to the left heart to bypass the lungs because that's not critical at this point the flow through the lungs now when that baby is born and that baby takes his or her first breath something phenomenal happens baby's born takes a deep breath fills the the lungs with airs pressure gradient changes within the lungs within the blood vessels and within the heart And in that moment, the foramen ovale and the ductus arteriosus close as a result. And that baby's circulation, therefore, moves all of the blood through the lungs. In an instant, a single breath, the baby's heart literally changes. A complete new configuration, a new function, new circulation, completely different from one single breath. And then... For those of us that have had many breaths, we know that there are other very important breaths that we take. Obviously, every breath is important, but there are some uh, that can be a little more impactful than others. You see, breathing happens naturally. It's going to happen because there are the urges of survival that are going to make us breathe. But there's a physical deep breath that is different from others. Your breathing normally just happens, but you can also take control of it. See, breathing is a critical... Automatic or autonomic function in the body And there are others that are autonomic Like your heart rate, your blood pressure The the digestion Secretion of different hormones That just happen But the difference in them is You can't directly think I'm going to slow my heart rate And just slow your heart rate down I'm going to secrete more or less Stress hormones and make that happen They just happen But your breathing is one That you can take control of Isn't that interesting? The one process you can take control of Now, what does a deep breath do and why is it so important are several deep breaths. All of those other processes that you can't directly control, your heart rate, the blood pressure, hormone secretion, you can't directly control them, but guess what? Taking control of your breathing, deep breathing, can actually have downstream effect on those things. I can't control all of those things, but I can control my breathing. And if I can control my breathing, I control those things. Isn't that phenomenal? It's pretty neat the way that God put us together like that. Let's talk about now a spiritual deep breath. And when we talk about a spiritual deep breath, I could sit here and try to explain to you what a spiritual deep breath is, but I think the Word of God does it better. So I'm going to read to you a couple of passages. First is Psalm chapter one, one verses one and two. It Says, "Blessed and, and think about a spiritual. Think about how you exist: your body, soul, spirit." The spiritual condition, your, your soul heart. Think about that as we read this. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners, uh, in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord. What is the law of the Lord? It's the word of God. It's scripture. And who meditates on his law day and night. You feel that? Scripture into your soul. A spiritual deep breath. Philippians 4, 4 through 8. says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. That's pretty restoring. That's a deep breath, isn't it? The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Here we go. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's pretty restorative, isn't it? And it goes on. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Remember, your mind was in there with your spiritual heart and your soul. Think about such things. What's the role of the spiritual heart to circulate the things that you let in? Meditating on the word of God. Thinking about all of these things out of Philippians. And then Psalm 23.3 says, he restores my soul. And there we have it. The restoring deep breath. The deep spiritual breath that we take in that can restore our soul. Because you see, there are a lot of things you can't control around you. You usually and often can't take... You can't control your circumstances around you. You can't control your kid's behavior, parents. Amen? You can try. But you can't control your kid's behavior. You can't control your spouse. Amen? Right? (laughs) Careful. You can't control your boss. You can't control your employees. You can't control your colleagues. You can't control your professors, your teachers... Teachers and professors, you can't control your students as much as you try. Administrators, you can't control your teachers or your students, right? You can't control your coaches, players. And coaches, you can't control your players as much as you might try. You can't control the economy, amen? You can't control gas prices, amen? There are many, many things that you can't control, you can't control Satan's schemes, and he's coming at you with them, I promise. You can't control that. You can't shut off the valve so he takes a break. He's coming at you with them. You can't shut them off. And as a matter of fact, as God is trying to breathe spiritual life into your soul, Satan is right there with his, his soldiers, the, the demons, trying to breathe lies into you, trying to force-feed air into your nostrils and into your lungs. And you can't control that Satan is going to try to do that. You can't control your enemies. You can't control the gossips and the liars. There are a lot of things around you you cannot control. But you can control your spiritual breathing. You can control what you let into your soul, your mind, your thoughts, your emotions, your will. And in the same way that I can't control directly my heart rate, my digestion, the secretion of hormones in my body. I can't control those things, but I can control my breathing. I can stop and take some deep breaths and control those things and the way that they affect me. In the same way, spiritually, you can't control all of these circumstances around you. What can you control? Your spiritual breathing. And in doing so, you can control the way that all of these circumstances and things around you affect you. You may have heard the word apnea before. And... uh, The word apnea translates from the Greek, literally A, noia, with a silent P. And uh, it means, A means no or not. Noia means breath or breathing. So it means no breath or, or not breathing. And some of you may have heard of it because of something called obstructive sleep apnea. It's a pretty common thing where when you're sleeping, your throat obstructs and you don't breathe. And so you have to wear a device to hold the throat open for that. And that's what apnea is. And I'm concerned because I believe a lot of Christians are suffering from spiritual apnea. Not taking the deep breaths that we need to be taking. Take a deep breath into your soul. But we have to be careful because some of the breaths that we take can sustain us and some can asphyxiate us. That's another big word, asphyxiation. That literally means crowding out the oxygen. And the process there is, is, is in in physically speaking, as I'm breathing in, I'm breathing in about 21% oxygen in the air that I'm breathing, in room air here. And uh, if there are other particles or other things that are added to the environment besides normal air, then it crowds out the oxygen. That percent of oxygen particles in the air gets crowded out. And as I'm breathing, then my tissues downstream are not getting the oxygen that they need to create the energy to sustain life. And that's called asphyxiation. An example of that is exhaust from a car. Uh, When, uh, like say, in a closed garage or something. That's how that can be tragic and it can be deadly. Because of the asphyxiation that takes place. Carbon monoxide that replaces the space of the oxygen. So, question. Are the breaths that you're taking sustaining? The deep breaths. Maybe you don't have apnea. Maybe you're breathing deep. But are the breaths that you're taking sustaining? Are they asphyxiating? And it depends on the air that you're breathing in. Guard your heart. What are you bringing in? Physically speaking, this is what this looks like. Asphyxiating breaths. Suffocating. You can just look at that picture and feel like you can't catch your breath, right? So what does that look like, spiritually speaking? Breathing in the foul air that is asphyxiating. Things like breathing in self-reliance. Breathing in achievement. Deep breaths of achievement. Academic, athletic, financial, vocational And those aren't bad things, but the question is, is that what you're relying on to sustain you? Is that what you're breathing in spiritually, breathing in deep breaths of pride, of political righteousness? And I may be right and you may be wrong, or we may be right and they may be wrong, but the question is, is that what you're relying on, your righteousness and your politics to sustain you, sustaining or asphyxiating Are you taking in deep breaths breaths of comfort? Are you taking in deep breaths of of good health? As long as my physical self is good, everything's okay. Deep breaths of hard work and checking off the to-do list, getting things done. Taking in the deep breath of well-behaved and successful kids. Again, right, parents? That will let you down. It will suffocate you if that is the deep breath that you're taking to sustain you. Well-behaved and successful kids. And then the enemy, again, is trying to force-feed you air into your lungs with many schemes, and, and many of his schemes involve lies. Lies that say you're too old or you're too young to accomplish what the Lord is calling you to do. Lies that say nobody cares about you or nobody wants you. The enemy's lies that he's trying to force-feed your lungs, your spiritual lungs. It says what you're doing doesn't matter. At work, and raising your kids at home, in your service to your church, your service to your community. Lies about the values of others that you disagree with. Because remember, every person is a human being with eternal value created in the image of God, knitted together in their mother's womb. And any lie that Satan is trying to feed you into your lungs can make its way in if you let it. That is taking deep breaths of asphyxiating air, suffocating, crowding out the oxygen. So then, what does this look like? And you can look at that after that other picture, and you feel like you can breathe, right? You see that? And I show of hands, whose yard actually looks like that right now? Um, All I see is brown, and it crunches under my feet. Um, But you get the idea here. You see the air that you can breathe, the fresh air that is life-giving and sustaining. And what is that? Number one, Scripture. All Scripture is breathed out by God. That is literally God breathing into your spirit when you take in Scripture. Breathing in the comfort that the Holy Spirit offers that you have inside of you. Breathing in encouragement from fellow believers. Breathing in, this one's hard, helpful correction from brothers and sisters in Christ. Do you let that in? Do you breathe it in and let the Lord work? When people point out uh, sin in your life, that, that call out something they see that needs correcting, do you allow that to sanctify you? Breathing in restorative fellowship with other believers, spending time with like-minded believers. Breathing in the commitment that comes, that understand, comes with understanding that this earth is not our home. Breathing in hope that this light momentary affliction is simply preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Breathing in, not looking to the seen, but to the unseen. Because the seen is transient, but the unseen, remember our soul, is eternal. One day we will depart from our earthly body. And for those that have received Christ, we'll be with him in heaven in a glorified body. Are you breathing that in? Whenever you face a diagnosis or a doctor's visit or something that makes you realize that, breathe that in. That is the clean air that restores and sustains. When you take a deep breath, what you breathe in matters. matters. I'm going to Talk for a minute about voice, I told you we 're going to talk about it again, um, and I told you how a voice works and the thing that 's important for what we 've already talked about is that uh, the your breath is the engine that produces your voice. Your voice re- relies on your breath as an engine, therefore, what you breathe in determines what you speak out, guard your heart for it 's the wellspring of life. everything you do flows from it, your words flow from it and We know, and you can tell, when you have breathed in something besides good fresh air, right? Because what you... Don't get ahead of me. Because what you breathe in determines what you speak out. And sometimes what you speak out can sound kind of funny, right? Because you can tell when someone has breathed in something (laughs) that makes them sound funny and it's silly and it's and you see how it's still there a little bit right the subsequent breaths because i take a deep breath in and if i take a few sound more like i should right and you can tell when someone has breathed in something that they shouldn't that makes them sound funny but you can also tell when someone breathes in something that makes them sound a little scary if it's not what god desires them to bring in breathe in sometimes you breathe something in that makes you sound a little scary. And you can tell when someone has breathed something in that makes them sound scary, can't you? No, that was not. See, it's still there. That was not Russell. <laughs> I promise. No, I'm not telling you what that is. It's a secret. But parents of toddlers, everyone gets a balloon when you leave today. <laughs> I said stop arguing. We could spend a lot of time there. It's going to be there for a little bit. (sighs) Is it sustaining or asphyxiating? See that? That and it's still there. You're going to hear it. Because it's safe for me to take a, a breath of that. It sounds scary. It sounds funny. But if I was to breathe that over and over and over, what's the word? Starts with an A. Asphyxiation. It crowds out the oxygen. You see, what you breathe in determines what you speak out. Proverbs 15.4 says, A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness and it breaks the spirit. And so question for the follower of Jesus, are your words a tree of life or are they breaking the spirit? Um, careful if you're going to ask your friends around you to answer that question for you because they might be honest. And if your words are breaking to the spirit, then I would encourage you to uh, do some reflection about what you're breathing in. And I, I, I want to use another illustration to make this point. Um, uh, a little while back, Carrie and I were shopping for a toilet. Um, uh, yeah, fun, right? And if you're in your middle age, you, you can appreciate the fact that this is what date night has come to. Um <laughs> And what's worse is that we don't lament it. We're like, this is kind of fun, shopping for a toilet on date night, which means we are certifiably old. Um, But we're walking through the toilet aisle, and I come across this right here with golf balls in the toilet, and it says, flushes a bucket of golf balls in a single flush. Wow! (laughs) Okay, that's a powerful toilet. But I keep walking, and I come across this. And it says flushes seven billiards balls in a single flush. Again, wow. Okay? That's my first thought is these are some powerful toilets. My second thought is if you're going shopping for a toilet and the first thing you have to say to the salesperson is, yeah, I need something that can almost flush an entire rack of nine ball. What you got? (laughs) Let me make a suggestion. Your toilet is not the issue. We need to talk about fiber. We need to talk about water. Your toilet's not going to fix your issue. What you breathe in determines what you speak out. In the same way, what you take in determines what comes out. Right? Waste in, waste out. Right? And so we understand that what you breathe in determines what you speak out. I can try to alter my vocal cords with this stuff. I can do everything I want. But what I've breathed in is going to make it sound funny and it's going to make it sound scary. And so as we close today, I want to ask you, follower of Jesus, what deep breaths are you taking? Are they sustaining or are they asphyxiating? Are your words a tree of life or are they breaking the spirit? And if it is asphyxiating and breaking of the spirit, may you reflect on what it is that you're breathing in, the deep breath that God intends for you to take in spiritually. And for my final point, um, for those that have not placed faith in Christ, um, I showed you that picture earlier, that illustration. I want to show you this one, that there is a space uh, which only the Holy Spirit can occupy in your life. And Um, that comes through salvation through Christ. And if you have never uh, confessed that you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he lived a perfect life, that you need salvation because of a sin condition, and you have placed faith in that, and confessed in him, then this is your condition. But let me tell you, in a moment, it can look like this, with Christ in your life. Remember earlier I talked about that baby? And that first breath that the baby took? and that first breath changed everything, literally reconfigured the baby's heart, the way things circulate, the way the whole anatomy is, the way things work, if you have not placed faith in Christ, in an instant, your heart can change. Your spiritual heart can completely change. It can reconfigure. It can change how your life circulates. It can change everything about you. And if that's you, we would encourage you to come forward and and, uh, speak with a, member of the prayer team when we're finished here, and in closing, just mentioning a few deep breaths that took place that um, are pretty amazing to think about, that Jesus, when he was born, fully God, fully man, his heart did the same thing. That's pretty cool, same as yours and mine. That Peter, when he was about to drown in the sea after walking on water, and he finally reached up and grabbed the hand of Jesus who pulled him out, he probably wasn't up to here and breathing just fine, I'm guessing, gasping for breath. He reaches up, takes the hand of Jesus, lifts him out of the water. <sighs> Follower of Jesus, do you need that first breath again? When you focus back on Jesus. And then, Christ died, he was buried, and three days later, his dead body, we sang it this morning, your buried body began to breathe. That first breath, it filled his lungs. Brought him back to life, proving that he is God. And his sacrifice and his raising from the dead are adequate for our salvation. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we're grateful for your breath in our lives, for your physical breath that you give us, each breath one after another that you, you don't promise, Lord, but for your spiritual breath, which you do promise, and we take that, Father. Um, we commit as a church and as individuals to take the spiritual deep breaths that are reviving, that are sustaining Uh, Lord, that that breathe life into others and don't break the spirit. We pray for this church and all that you're doing, the members and the families involved, Lord, and how you would allow us to glorify you in everything that we think, say, and everything that we do. It's in Christ's name that everyone agreed and said, Amen. Amen.